this message to us. You know, Paul wrote, Paul wrote, and he told Timothy, let no one look down upon your youth. In God's eyes, we are all the same. We are but sinners saved by grace. Amen? Walang nakakalamang sa atin. Si Pastor Reggie lang, pirming lamang dito, pogi daw siya. So, di ba? So, let's prepare our hearts and give a warm round of applause to our brother Dion Perez who will bring God's word. How's everyone doing today? Good? Good? Okay, so if you're wondering why I'm here, you're not alone. I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. Um, to be honest, I was just a long time ago, a couple, maybe five months, six months ago, I just had my um, accountability with Pastor Song, And I shared my story, and it was about a two-hour um, session. And at the end of it, he sort of challenged me to say that, why don't you give this as a message or, you know, use your testimony and make it into a message. Um, at first, I thought he was joking. I, I really didn't know what to do or say out of it because um, I was matching myself with the equipment that um, Pastor Anton and Pastor Danny had. Like, what, who am I to actually, what qualifies me to speak in front? And I had no, none of those traits. So... At that time, I was really like, I was really bothered and challenged to say, "Do I really want to give this message? Do I really want to do it? Will I act like a fool in front of people, or is it just God telling me to step out blindly and just do it?" You know. And today, we we are in a series called Intimacy with God, and I want to talk about specifically about discouragement. How, how many times or how often do we as individuals feel discouraged? Are there days where we wake up planning to be discouraged? Are there days that we choose to be discouraged? No, it, it happens by itself. It happens on a daily basis even if we don't understand or if we don't plan it. You know? So let me ask you this. Does God seem to be so far away from us? Is it a question that we ask daily or is it one of the things we avoid? And so, ask yourself that question. Does God seem so far away? You know, every morning we start our days, you know, with our alarm clock. We, we get up, we get dressed, we, we go to the shower and we get dressed and we, get, we eat. But, does God fit in that time time scale of when we're actually waking up, does God fit in that? Do we wake up and talk to God, or do we wake up, do everything, and then talk to God? You know, each one of us has their own um, schedule. Uh, last week, Pastor Danny talked about the role of Moses, and he was talking about it in Hebrew, in, in, in the book of Hebrew. And so, I was wondering, I was really, I was thinking, like, how can I match or really relate to Moses in that way because I can't really put myself in Moses' shoes because he was a pillar of faith, a strong and mature 
Christian in the faith. And I'm not I'm I'm nowhere near Moses. So what I wanted to talk about is how did Moses mature in his faith to begin with? And who was Moses before God called him to free Israel from slavery? When you see Moses, it's always Moses was the one who liberated. Moses was the one who made the Red Sea part. And to that, how can we relate to someone who's like that if we're just plain, normal Christians waking up every single day? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's just the gap is so far away that I can't call myself to be like Moses. I don't have faith like Moses. But Moses did that. And obviously, he had to start somewhere. You know, Exodus 3, 1 and 4. Now Moses was um, tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over, see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him to look from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. See, one thing I found common in this verse is the first part that said, I will go over and see the strange sight. You know, as humans, we're curious. That's how we're wired. You know, if we see something shiny, we'll pick it up. If we see a car burning, we'll take a picture. I don't know. But we're just drawn to something that is out of the norm. It's, it's something that, how we are, you know. And Moses sees this bush, and it's burning. But the one thing is, it wasn't being consumed by the fire. So as a normal human being, he goes in, checks it out, you know, I don't know, goes around it twice just to see what it is. And then God called Moses. Moses, Moses. See, right there and then we can tell that Moses was set apart. Because why? Because God, even in his voice, he actually used his voice to call Moses. Moses, Moses. You know, if that was me and God called me, like Dion, Dion I'm going to freak out and run away. Because I'm not, I don't know who who is talking to me. I'm going to look around and say, who? But... God called Moses, Moses. You know, and his response was, here I am. He didn't know who he was, or what it was, or where it came from. Immediately he just said, here I am. And how often can we have the chance to actually say that? When we feel God calling us, or here I am. The first thing we do is like, why, what's this? What does it have to do with me, you know? The next one, Exodus 4, 10, 12. Moses said, Pardon your servant, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. See, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that was my response. You know, when God calls, when God calls me, I panic and I run away. Why? Because I don't know what God wants me to do or what He intends for me to do, so I run away. So just like Moses, He made an excuse. Who am I? I am not eloquent. And God, 
you know, rebuked him right in front and saying that who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord? So if you if you look at it, before Moses became that, you know, icon of faith, this is where I can relate. To the fact that Moses was scared, Moses was not sure of himself. And that's where I find myself because I know that that's where Moses came from. And it took him that journey to figure out that that's where God wanted him to be. you know. So today, I want to go into three, thing, um, three things. Stop, look, and listen. Those are my three points that I want to say. Um, I'm not really preaching. I, I guess I could say that's not really my style. Um, I'm more of a storyteller. So to me, this is really personal, and I don't want it to come off as being... Um, constructive or anything. It's, I just want to tell my story. That's all I want to do. Now let me ask you, how do you approach God? You know, what is the easiest way of approaching God? You know, the easiest way we do is prayer. That's one. Um, for some people, it's listening to music, singing, anything. But how do you approach God? You know? It's really something always puzzled me at first that when we say, how do you approach God? People will say, oh, I do it to my quiet time. But when they say quiet time, what is quiet time? You know, I've never really figured out who made that term, quiet time. Because it's so structured, so rigid, that when people talk about quiet time, it's Go in a room, open your Bible, and pray. You know, but that's it. So who? I want to know who actually said that to begin with and ask why. Maybe for him, that worked out. That's, how, that's why it was quiet time for him. You know, what does it mean to have a quiet time? Quote-unquote quiet time. Is there an exact definition of what it is? And if you have your quiet time, is it working? Are you actually experiencing God? Are you actually hearing His voice? Are you actually doing things that you know God is telling you to do? You know, I, I believe that God is constantly reaching out to us in ways we don't see. Sometimes even just driving in the morning, sometimes just waking up, cooking, anything. But we just choose to turn a deaf ear to see who God is, you know. Like, why should I have God talk to me when I'm in, I'm driving, you know. We always think that when we approach God, it has to be holy, it has to be sacred, it has to be so majestic for it to actually go through God. But who, whoever said that, you know? And we are so caught up with that idea of a certain way. We're caught up with the idea that the only way to approach God is through our quiet time. That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. And so... In what ways have we trapped God in a box? A box meaning how we limited who God really is. You know, when we say we trapped God in a box, we're saying that we, we let, we stop God from being God. Because our definition of God is based on our own definition. So if I say God is this and this and this, but He's not really that, my belief will follow 
into my belief. And we're trapping God inside the box. And He can't really move. And He can't form us. And He can't mold us. Because our idea is stuck in that. Are there rules for it? Is there, you know, formulas for it? A right way doing it? Are there, does the duration matter? I mean, sometimes I have, I spend time with God two minutes. This guy spends two hours. Who has more, more intimacy with it? You know, does it matter? Is there a time? Do you in the morning or in the day or at night? Does the location matter? Does it have to be at home? Does it have to be at school or in the office? You know, if you feel like you're not going anywhere, just stop. Isn't it kind of obvious? Like, why? If it's not working, then stop. Why do we force ourselves to actually make it happen when it's not working? You know, there is no way. No specific way of approaching God. We should find God in all things, in everything. That's how He made us to be. Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? You know, when I, when, when I say the quiet time, when the way I understand it is that quiet time is a personal time. I do it because I want to do it, not because I have to say that I did it. You know, it's... You have to understand the difference between that. And that's usually what pe- that what traps people to begin with. When people ask you, oh, how's your walk? The first thing we do is like, the first thing we always do is, oh, I didn't have my quiet time this week. So is our walk limited to our quiet time? I don't think so. It shouldn't be, you know. See, we can't, we can't hear what God wants to say if we're nowhere near Him. You know, the, the, the most, be- best, the best thing I can illustrate this is God speak to us through Him whispering. If we're not hear Him, we can't hear His whisper. You know, oftentimes God won't really speak to us screaming, obvious signs or anything, but God will always approach us when we say that, when He wants to say something. It's always going to be in the slightest, quietest form. And we need to turn our ears or tune our ears to the frequency of God, not let God tune in our frequency to us. You know, we lose sight, and the most important thing is that the idea of God spend time, our time with our Maker. You know, quiet time is becoming personal, but we don't realize that quiet time is how we spend time with God, not for us, but for Him. You know, sometimes you always say that. Let's say I want to spend time with my sister. Say, I want, to, I want to spend time with you. And she says yes. And then once she says yes, I'm going to say, oh, by the way, can you bring this? Can you help me do this? Can you fix this in my room? What if we turn that to God, saying that, Lord, I want to spend time with you. And by the way, can you help me with this? I don't have money. Can you help me with this problem? Doesn't that approach seem kind of selfish? That we're asking to spend time with God because we want something in return. When it shouldn't be. We should spend time because we want to get to know that person. That's it. And later on when we develop like a more close friendship, that's when we can ask God for things. You know, maybe the best way is you have your quiet time and just focus on who God is and stop there. And then whatever you need, ask after. Because that time is just for you and God. No Motives, no intentions, nothing. You know. 
And we let go of that chance because we want to attain something out of it. You know, some people are saying, I'm doing a quiet time because I want to pass my test. So I'm like, what does, what does it mean? So you're, you're, you're pretty much saying, God, I'm going to spend time with you, but you have to do this for me. And once this test is done and I pass, I'm going to stop having my quiet time because that's it. You know? That's why we should stop. If that's our mindset, we need to stop. Because that gives you so much room for pain and discouragement when God doesn't pull through. You expect God, because you held up your end of the bargain, and you expect God to follow through. What if He doesn't? We grow bitter, we're discouraged, and we start hating. You know. I want to ask a few questions. Can we ask everyone to stand? Does everyone to stand? I'm going to ask a couple questions, and if it pertains to you, I want you guys to sit down. Okay, the first question, do you feel discouraged in any way? If you are, sit down. Second question, do you feel that sometimes God seems so far away? If, it's so, if so, sit down. The third question, is your quiet time actually working? Are you actually experiencing God in a way that you want to experience God? If so, if you're not, then sit down. Sometimes. And then lastly, do you ever feel that your prayers are just reaching the ceiling and not going to God? If so, sit down. You know. See, look around us. There's only a couple people standing. This isn't a normal issue. Everyone faces discouragement in their life. Everyone faces that God is not hearing them. Everyone faces that God doesn't see them or hear them. So, majority of us, 95% of us, sat down. So now we know that it's not working. How come we're still not stopping? We're forcing it to work and work and work in hoping that God will actually say something. You know, Oh, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do this, in hopes of, in six months, maybe I might hear God once. But do you really have that endurance to do that? Do you really have the patience to do that? You know? You know, we often view God as a mighty and supreme maker who is all-powerful, strong. All that is true, everything. God is a warrior, God is, you know, God takes revenge, God is everything, God is everything. But... That's the only side we see God, or that's the side we want to see God. But the reality is, isn't God also our maker? Doesn't He know us intimately? Doesn't Wasn't He the one who counted how many hair we have, the, the, the talents we have, everything? So even if He was a mighty, strong ruler, He can be gentle and graceful and quiet. And in this, like he can actually say that he is concerned with our life. Not just interested, concerned. Meaning he wants to be part of our lives daily. You know, in the Bible, God communicated in the different ways. The first one um, uh, was Moses. You know, we asked the question, how, how, how did Moses find God? How can I find God? How come it's not working? 
you know. Does he even hear my prayers sometimes? Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to a wall. But, you know, sometimes it's, you actually hear God saying things even if you don't expect it. See, my story starts, I guess my, for my personal story, it starts here. Um, when Pastor Ntong told me to actually share what has been going through with my life. Um, was it six or seven years ago that we moved? I think six. Six? 2006, yeah. So six years ago, we were in the Philippines, and my life was good. It was comfy. I knew where I was going. It was all set up. All I had to do was wake up and go through the motions of it. You know, not only that, but my faith was playing a big part in my life. You know, I was active in a group. I was active in the youth. Like, I would be at church five days in a week. If I'm not doing anything, I would just go to church, like, just to hang out. That was my faith. I was, I was comfy because I knew people were around me, people who I shared faith with. And in 2006, you know, God took that out. And I was bitter. I was mad. I was like, why would you take me out when I'm actually serving you? Don't, do you want me to stop serving you? Because I have nowhere to go there. I, I really have nothing, you know. And when I came here, I started school, everything. And that's where my passion slowly showed, you know, what God put inside of my, my character, I guess. You see, um, I'm obsessed with, with words, writing and books and everything. That was where my passion was. I knew that that's where I wanted to go in life. That was my career choice, the writing and everything. Um, I could express anything in words. You know, some people are wired for something else. Some, some people are, they want to do law or medicine. But I knew right there and then that literature was my, was my comfort zone. It was where I experienced God and everything. You know, and I had this plan, you know, uh, for my freshman year all the way to senior year. I had this plan that I would get into the school and just go through the most because I had a direction and a goal and I had the means to actually achieve it. See, I had a, I had a plan and in that plan, I wanted to use that plan to bring honor to God. That was my plan. The difference was, I said I had that plan, but I didn't bring that plan to God. So I just said, okay, I have this plan, blah, 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 and God was not inside the plan. I just said, I want this plan to work because I want to do it for God. But I never really lifted that plan to God. So God was never in that plan. It sounded so good, but God wasn't there. You know, Moses, other people who God talked to in life, Moses, what we read today was a burning bush. That's what sometimes we wait for. We wait for a really uplifting experience, something that catches on our attention. Like we need, we want a fire. Joseph was through his dreams, you know. Paul was really unique because his first encounter with God, he was blinded. And you know, I, I wish it doesn't happen to any of us, but that's how God reached through Paul through his struggle. And it says in one in other um, one of Paul's stories is that even when he was thrown in prison, that's where God was. Even in his struggles, even in, in his defeat, God was there. 
So it's not just through the good things that God can communicate to us, but also in the bad things and the in the unfortunate events that happen. See, when my senior year came, I was really convinced that I wanted to do writing. I wanted to actually do something, express myself, and tell people what I write. Pretty much, I wanted to, what I was feeling inside, I wanted to give it. But there was one hindrance in that plan, and it was my dad. You all know him as to be a corporate, structured man with principles and goals. But as you can see from all his three children, none of them actually got that trait. You know, my brother runs for a living. Where's the structure in that? My sister designs stuff for a living, and I have still yet to decide what I want. But my dad wasn't on board with my plan. He just said, that's that's not going to work. Because once you have your family, how are you going to feed them? How are you going to live? How are you going to, you know, in today's economy, you want a practical job. Either you go to business or medicine. And hearing him say that, I was really sad. Because how come my own parents can't even support me? And so I was going through the motions, but I really just said that, okay, I have to obey him. He is my dad. So I did. And so this is where my college year started. Um, I went into school with bio as my major. Obviously, that didn't work because I was failing my classes and I was passing with a C. You know, I was trying to please God. I mean, I was trying to please my dad. But was it really for me? I couldn't say because I was just forced to go through the motions of passing and, and at, at the hopes of actually pleasing him. You know, Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I had a plan. I told you, I had a plan. I wanted to do this and this and this and eventually write for a living. But God wasn't in that plan. You know, He had something better for me. Isaiah 55, 8. In my th- for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. See, this is where I started to become broken. This is where I started to become discouraged. Every day I would go through the motions like, what if I actually got into the school I wanted? And I did. But I turned it down because I followed my dad. And so I was going through the motions aimlessly, saying, oh yeah, I'm just going to do this just to please him, whatever, and then I'm going to move out and do my own thing. So I was really selfish. That bitterness turned into something that I did not want. You know, in, in, in that time... That's where, I guess you could say, God stepped in. You know, I was I was a vessel, as you can say, like an illustration as a, of a vessel. I was perfect. I was good. I was doing what I wanted. And then when God turned it away, He smashed that vase. You know? And putting it back, it could still be useful, but there's going to be cracks, small pieces that cannot be mended in. And so God put me back up. But I asked him, he's like, why? I'm, I'm so broken. I have small pieces that I don't have anymore. What's the use? I'm useless. You know, but it was there then I realized that 
God intends for you to have small pieces broken because when God's light shines in, it can shine out. You know? So having a good having a plan is good. Involving God in our plans is better. And can only result in having the best results. That was my problem. I had a good plan and a better plan. But God wasn't in it. The plan was for God, but He really wasn't in it. Last week, Pastor Danny talked about diet to oneself. And I just kind of chewed it more and more and asked myself, was I really doing a plan based on God? Or was it a plan I made for God for me? You know, We make plans and offer it to God without ever considering God to be part of it. We always, I mean, I always did that. You know, I would say that, oh, I'm God, I'm going to do this for you. But I never prayed about it. I never talked to people about it. I never fasted for it. So why would I even say that this plan was for God if I'm not really lifting it up to begin with? You know, And that mindset, we box God yet again because we just want Him to be something or someone who's there when we need Him. You know? Our communication tends to be blurred because we force ourselves to believe that it works. But what, what do I mean by this? You know, when we say that, okay, when I have my quiet time, yeah, I'm going to go to my room, read my Bible. Hopefully, God will speak. One week, two weeks, three weeks, nothing happens. The fourth week, God finally talks to me. So I would think it works. Oh, it works. I got something. And I would go through the motion again, one week, two weeks, three weeks. Isn't there something wrong with that? Like we were, we're waiting for something to happen, even if we're not doing anything. That's what I, I really didn't get. Is because how come other people find God so easy in many ways, yet I can't find Him? I tried His method. I tried His method. His method. But see, God is unique. You try to wrap your your heads around this. It's saying that God fabricated you. It's so unique that it is a lock and key method. That God is the key and you're a lock. And if you try another key, it's not going to work, obviously. You know, for him, it might work. Maybe quiet time, locking himself in a room, staying in there for two hours actually produces results. If you try that and you put it into yours, it's not going to work because that's not how God made you. You know, you have to you have to start from a key that's not made. Find your way and eventually cut into what God wants you to be. And use that method to actually talk to him because that's where God wants you to be. You know, you can't have a lock with many different keys. That doesn't work. One lock, one key. That's it. You know, also with the trade-offs last week, what I thought was right I thought that spending time with God in a room was right. We hold on to the things we believe would work, you know. The second point I have is look. Now that you know or we realize that there is a problem or maybe I have a problem, how come we don't stop it? If we are stopping it then what now? Where do we go from here? You know, it's just really a matter of having a fresh start. You know, if something, I mean, when you when you think about it, with anything, if 
you try to cook, you know, and it's not working, are you going to try and try and try until you get it right, or are you just going to walk out and buy food? You know? I mean, if you can't cook, chances are you're not going to eat what you cooked. You know, so why does that mindset not fit in with the way we talk to God? You know, it's the same. You want to find different ways because you want it to work. Don't be stuck in one way and hoping that oh maybe this will work today. You know, maybe. And it's not like I mean, one of my one of my bio classes. I was there, um, and I was really doing bad because I I have a bad um, connection with it. So I was just hoping maybe if I just listen. And not take notes. I'll just try to absorb it, everything. No, it didn't work. I got an F on my first test. You know? So I, I, I worked it out. So okay, maybe if I record it and take notes, maybe that will work. It's like, no, I still got an F because I couldn't understand what I was reading. And I'm like, okay, I can't I can't do this. So that's when I, I really had I stopped forcing myself to believe that I was in this right spot because I, this isn't where I want to be. The next semester, I finally took one of the classes that I wanted, English, um, creative writing. And one of the first projects, because for English, you don't really have tests. You have papers and papers and papers. And it was one of a freelance class. So the professor doesn't really cater to each and every one. He just gives you an assignment, and you do it. And the first one was a 35-page essay. 35-page essay. Everyone in the class gasped. I'm like, 35? I can't even write a paragraph. I'm like, you know, I was like, I have a story of a boy and that's it. How do I expand to that? And I'm just like, I'm freaking out because in my head, it looked like a 60-page essay. When I wrote it, it was only two and a half pages. So I was like, where am I, what am I doing wrong? And then I talked to him and he said, one of the things he said to me is like, writing, you cannot box it. Writing comes from the heart. It's what you do. It's what you believe. You know, and that stuck to me pretty good. The next day, I wrote. I locked myself in the room and I wrote and wrote and wrote. When I finished, I had 48 pages. That was easy for me, you know. And I didn't really realize it because I was concerned with 35. I was putting 35, 35, 35, 35 in my mind. The same thing with God. You know, you put God and say, Lord, I can't afford this payment. I can't afford this and this. How much is it? 35 bucks. You know, 35, 35, 35. But then, something there isn't wrong because God isn't just worth 35 bucks. He's worth more. So why are we concerned with saying that this is God and this is the God, this is God? But when we should just open God and let God do the rest. Because when we open ourselves, we become, I guess, something like a vessel that He can actually go through. And it works. So my second point is look. Because God is constantly talking to us. Hebrews 4, 7. Again, He appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. How many times do we hear God's voice? Honestly, I hear God's voice a lot. Do I listen it? Listen to it? No. Do I follow it? No. Because 
my heart is set on something that I want God to work in. The lock and key principle. You know. Every situation is a chance to experience God. That's what I believe. You know, with every good thing in life, it has an expiration date. Happiness that is of this world comes with a time limit. You know, I did everything to tell myself I was happy. You know, because of what happened with my choice of career, I tried to look for things that were superficial and would hopefully make me happy. You know, so I tried this and this and this, but it wasn't really working. Only to an extent that would make me happy. You know. Romans one twenty, for every ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, we say we can't hear God, we say we can't find God, but God is everywhere. So where's our excuse? You know? Our excuse tends to be because we don't want to. And then again, we box God because we want God to appear in the things we want Him to see. You know, it's like God is like becoming a TV. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this. I'll watch this. So if God is tuning into you in this voice and you want to hear it, you change it out until you find something that God wants you to be and then you listen. And the challenge is to find and understand God and that God is consistently, constantly around us. We just don't recognize it, you know. You know, stronger than ever, the thought that started in my head has become more evident. You see, in that time of brokenness, God instilled in me something that I didn't really like, you know. Like, I was, I was pissed, annoyed, and shocked at God's like, why this? Because what happened was in that time that I couldn't find myself, I was in college doing all the motions, like jumping from one class to another. You know, I tried engineering, which didn't really work out because I don't, I'm not good at math. So I tried pottery, which did not really look like a pot. Um, and and then I tried archery which was one of the electives that they have. And it, I don't know, I just can't aim, maybe. So I tried so many things just to find my interest. You know, I tried everything. I tried so many classes to the point where I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> like, I had one semester that had archery and poetry and women's studies. Like, it that doesn't all connect. Like, why would you need poetry with archery? It's like, you like, staying in stanzas in every line, like, trying to be Cupid. And it, it wasn't working, you know? And that's where God, I guess, put in what He really wanted into me. I, I was, at night, I would be in my bed saying, like, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, I don't know what to do with my life. And you could say that that's where God kind of made fun of me saying, why don't you go to Bible school? It's like, no, <laughs> that's stupid. And I'm like, why would I go there? Like, obviously I tried not doing it, you know. But then the thought just came back every night, always. Why don't you go to Bible school? Why don't you go this and this and this? But, see, I boxed God. And that, that was the time when God was talking to me. And like a TV, I tuned out because I didn't want to hear it. 
I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? You know? And so I just moved on, lying to myself again that, oh, maybe I'll find something tomorrow. You know, each and every one can approach God in their own way. God approached me this time. But I wasn't asking for it. He just did. You know? See, when that thought came in, it was about three years consistently coming in. Why don't you go to Bible school? Until the point where I was done with it. Like, I was, I'm, I'm tired of this. Okay, you know what? I'll think about it. You know, the hard part wasn't acknowledging it. The hard part was telling it to my dad. You know, because I'm not going to go back to him because he already ruined my plan. So if I actually go back to saying, like, Dad, I want to go to Bible school, he's like, oh, good. I don't do it, you know? It's like, I'm trying to please him again? Like, no, that, that that's not, I don't want to do that. You know? And in my head, I was just saying, okay. I was driving home from school, saying, okay. See, my dad's just home anyway. I called him, are you home? He's like, yeah, I'm home. Okay, so from the from the ride from my school to the house, I was thinking, I was rehearsing lines. I'm like, so, God was talking to me, you know? You know, and then I was just playing and playing and playing, what I was going to say. And I finally came up with the right way of saying it. Okay, like, in my head I was like, you know that I've been trying this and this and this, and blah, 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 and I've been not doing it. So I had like a whole script written down. When I came home and I saw him, I cried like a baby. I had nothing to say. I was stammering. I didn't know what to say. Like all the plans I had of what to say just disappeared. And... The funny thing is, he was laughing. So, I don't know what was going on. And I was really trying to say my words, but it just kept getting interrupted with sobs and trying to catch my breath until I finally actually mustered up the courage to say it. And then when that happened, he smiled, obviously, because I was trying to please him again. And... He just smiled, and then he gave me a hug and saying that I've been praying for this. And like, what do you mean praying for this? <laughs> like, so you mean to say you mean to tell me that you didn't want me to go to, to like business or medicine, but you actually want me to go here? You know. So I was really all these questions were in my mind, and at that point I just wanted to take it off. I was like, okay, there, God. I talked to my dad. Can you stop? putting these thoughts in my head. You know, I, I just don't want to do this. I know myself. I'm not going to do it. And I asked my dad for help. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I guess it's one of their backup answers when they really don't have anything to say. It's like, pray about it. Yeah, pray about it. You know? I was like, I did, but nothing's happening. He's like, no, just wait for God. He's going to make your way. I'm like, yeah, but... It's not happening. You know, no, just pray about it. Just pray about it. Like, or you just really don't have an answer. So you just want to say pray about it. You can just say that. You don't really have to like mask it and like and everything. You know. See, the key to unboxing our God, the key to, is to unbox our idea of who God is and what God is everything. When God is everything. You know, um, I didn't know what it was. To begin with, like I, I didn't know why God instilled that thought in my head. I was like, why? Why me? Why? I'm like the most unorganized person. 
my mom comes into my room asking to clean it, and I just move one side and like done, you know. And that's how that's how I am. I just choose not to move. And then why when God's saying me to do this, it's a complete shift from one side of my character to another, and it, it, it's not just it doesn't work. But when I did say that, it's like a huge load was lifted off of me. Because I can breathe. Because I knew that maybe God wanted me to talk to my dad for the longest time. And it took me three years to do that. And it just kept on piling up and piling up. And when I actually decided to do it, it felt that I can breathe again. You know? And I was like, yes, I can breathe again. So I don't have to think about this. You know? Like, I was thinking that maybe God just wanted me to do, to just talk to my dad, consider it, or whatever. But no. The moment I told my dad, it got worse. You know, the very next day at school, you know, um, I was I couldn't concentrate because all I was saying is like, why don't you go this? Like I was, names of schools were popping up, and like I'm not I'm not going to Bible school, so why why am I thinking about this? So I closed the book and just walked out because I couldn't focus. You know. But something was definitely wrong there, you know. When we approach God, it has to be, we have to understand the simplicity of quiet time and remove any expectations. Psalm 84.10, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of, of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, when we approach God, when we look for God, that means we have to let go of everything including our knowledge and preconceived notions that we know about God. You see, I grew up in church ever since I was born, so I knew a lot of Bible. I knew a lot of Sunday school. So when I approach God, I bring that knowledge to the table and like, okay, God, tell me something that I don't know. Surprise me. But God doesn't work that way. You know, God gives you things that you need only for that time. And what what I'm telling you guys right now it's it's nothing new i'm just reminding you guys of how you know what god is but when we have a quiet time some people just say that i've been a christian for 20 plus years and i know this much like i know i've read the bible six times i've had but i've been teaching bible studies and everything does that make you any different from someone who just got in the faith no in fact sometimes I'm jealous of people who just got into faith, who are new Christians. Why? Because they have no expectations. They have a clean slate that's saying, this is who I am, God. And whatever God makes, they're surprised that God pulls through. Whereas you're a Christian for all these years, and you have these um, concepts of God, and when He doesn't fit your criteria, you blame God. You know? So... Approaching God doesn't just involve the heart. It involves actually leaving everything. To die to oneself means that you have to let go of everything. You know, we can live through life believing that we are happy. Only when we only when God steps in do we realize that our lives are just not meant to be but to be happy with him. You know, if if there's something about God is that he's really persistent. Um one time, you know, while all these things was going on, I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning crying. I did not know why or what reason. I was crying. And all I could do was bow down and pray. You know. 
And in that moment, from not wanting to go to Bible school, I had the desire to go to Bible school. How did that happen? I don't know. But what I do know is that when I was broken, I threw everything aside. Say that, God, I give up. You know, I've tried all my ways and it all failed. So now just do whatever you want. You know, it kind of it, it kind of sounded bad because I was saying, God, these are the leftover pieces of me. Fill it up. You know, but that's exactly what God wanted. He he made me broken and crushed me so that I can be made new. You know, and that was something that really stuck to me because I did not know because from the, the day before, I really hated it. I didn't want to go to Bible school. And the next day, why am I so interested now? Like, what happened? You know? See, our, the question is, our Lord and Savior versus a cosmic vending machine. You know, we say, God, be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord and Creator of my life. But we can't approach Him when we have problems. Small problems, even. You know, when your car breaks down, you open the hood, like kick the, everything. Every you just do whatever you can. You know, in school maybe you're not doing good and you try to fix anything, but does it hurt to actually ask help from God? No, because we don't think that God will come through. Because God is so big that He's not going to be interested in the small problems we have. But in the reality, He's actually the one tugging us for Him to come to us, but we don't. You know, and then my last point is, listen. You know, first one, stop what you're doing. If it's not working, stop it. And now we know that God is constantly talking to us. God is everywhere. God is constantly calling us to listen to Him. So if you have any, I guess, bit of idea where God is leading you, why don't you just listen for once? And stop complaining. You know, First Kings nine twelve. This is one of the, like one of the best descriptions. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. You know, the background of this First Kings was um, when the Lord appeared to Elijah when he was in the mountain mountains, and he was saying, um, "The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain and present in the presence of the Lord." For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, the illustration there is we want to see God crash into our lives in a very distinctive way. But here, God came to Elijah in the way that he did not expect. Even though an earthquake, a fire, everything, you can see God in them. Like, you know, when, when you see a fire of pillar in front of you, it's something that you don't really see. You know, we take for granted the things that we see every day and think that, oh, God's not going to be there because that's not His nature. Going back to the fact that God was a mighty and powerful ruler, 
He always wants a grand entrance. No. What if God came to you in a whisper? You know, what does it mean to listen to someone or to something? You know, in our times of hopelessness and strength in is God alone. His faithfulness shines in our lives that we are ultimately changed. You know, Second Corinthians twelve nine, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, Psalm one thirty nine twenty three Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He put that burden in me, and he made me anxious. To a point where it took me apart, it broke me apart, you know. The thoughts came back more consistently, but this time I knew that it was God tugging my heart. It wasn't just my thoughts or my selfishness, it was actually God, you know, coming back. And I realized that the problem wasn't that I was consistently talking to Him. No, I mean, I, I was praying. I was praying over and over and over to ask God for direction, you know. But then we forget that sometimes a relationship involves both talking and listening. You know, when, you know, do you talk more than you listen? Sometimes when you say, oh, I'm going to spend time with God. So you pray for an hour, and the moment you finish, you're done. Amen. And then you move on. So what if I, I, I went to you and say, oh, you want to spend time, want to get coffee? And then I talk for an hour, and when I'm done, I leave. Like I don't even give you a chance to speak. You know that it's the same concept with God. Like, what if He wants to say, He wants to tell us something, but we're not giving Him the chance to, because we're busy talking about our problems and everything, when all He wants to do is for us to shut up and just listen. You know. See, why is it that we ask God only for little problems we have when we have a God who is obsessed and completely? in love of, of us, with us from the very beginning, even when we were born. He knew that, he knew, God knew that you were this, this and this. But we forget who God really is. We, we, we try to remember what God is about, we forget who God is. Psalm 62.5 For God alone on my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. You know, this is where, um, it was pretty funny because at this point, you know, I acknowledge, oh yeah, Bible school. But yeah, I, I made excuses, a lot of excuses. Like, where am I going to find the money? I don't have, I don't have enough to pay one semester of it. You know, I don't have a direction, a degree, or anything, or a degree that would lead me to that. I really had nothing, you know. And it was at this time when my dad came home from the Philippines for a business trip, and he comes in the next when he arrived. He comes in the next day saying. Don't worry about your school. I found someone who was going to pay for it. And so I was like, I just prayed yesterday that I have, didn't have any money. And now the next day, God, my dad tells me that I found someone who's going to willing to sponsor you for your school. The only question is, when and what school? And then I was like, man, I guess I can't really escape this now. Because <laughs> he actually talked to someone and confirmed it. So I was like, okay. But then another excuse came. Like, I don't really have a pathway to it. I don't have a direction to go towards it. So I prayed and I prayed again even more with this in mind, saying that I don't really have anything to pray for anymore. I just want you to answer me, you know. It came to a point where my prayers were just me 
being quiet for an hour, two hours, hoping that he would speak. But nothing came. But that didn't stop me. I just wanted to keep on going. And then a couple um, weeks later, one of the schools that I applied to gave me a call and saying, I see you're interested in um, the theology program, blah, blah, blah. And then I talked to, I talked to her. And it's like, well, yeah, I can't because all my classes are this. That means I have to start over from scratch. That's another two years to actually get into the program. And he says, like, well, send me your transcripts and I'll look over it. And the next day he called me, you know what? You finish all your transcripts. All you have to do is just transfer. So then I was like, man, I'm stuck again. You know, I was like, why? I was hoping this was my out. But then, you know, God just keeps on surprising you. Psalm 94:18. if I say my foot is slipping, your loyal love, O Lord, supports me. You know, I gave up giving excuses. And I just say, like, you know what? I've tried everything, didn't work. I'm tired of being discouraged. I'm try I'm tired of being dismayed from not what what do I want to do? Maybe I can just alright, try it. What would it it's not gonna hurt me if I try, you know. So when I when my prayer was that Lord just do whatever you want, that gap I have inside me was gone. You know, from not wanting to go to Bible school to actually have a desire to Bible school and the next day having the burden that what my dad had was something that I wasn't expecting. You know, just thinking about it, I'm like, no wonder I couldn't find my place in the world. No wonder I couldn't do engineering, archery, whatever. Because maybe God was saving this spot specifically for me. And it took me, what, four or five years to figure that out when I could have just went straight. But knowing myself, I was a hard, hard head and I stubborn everything. And I did. You know, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. I was quiet. I didn't say anything. God filled my first request to find money. God filled my second request to the PATH program, what I would do. I just stayed quiet. You know, because I was tired of actually saying, God, I want this and this and this. Instead, I give up, Lord. Just do whatever you want. You know, the life of a worshiper is consistently full of wondering and wondering through the word, world in the word. This was a quote from one of my friends who I was really close with in high school. Um, he said this to me, and then I realized that to be intimate with God is to live each day knowing that there is no reason we live except for Him. You know, the formula for approaching God never changed. I realized that. It was only ourselves who changed it. We say that, how do I approach God? Maybe if I do this and this and this. But the formula never changed. If you want to approach God, get on your knees and pray. That's it. We put so many things in that box. We put so many process of how to do it that we forgot that the basic. We forget that the basic thing is to just want to spend time with God. We're so caught up in the idea that I have to be in a room where it's quiet, with music playing and everything. Well, what if that doesn't work for you? Are you going to force yourself again to do that? No. You know? We always wonder why God is always so far away from our reach. But the reality is, He was the one who never moved. It was us. You know? You say, like, God, I can't, I can't find you. God, I can't hear your voice. But when you look at it, you're nowhere near God. And then, 
when God is talking to you, you run away. Then he's going to come to you and you run away again. And then you ask, you're like, why, why can't I hear you? Why can't I reach you? It's because we're running away from him when he's the one actually trying to reach us. You know? So today I can say with my whole heart that this is where I want to be. Um, the burden that I had for that really changed. And it was something that I didn't expect. You know, it took me five years more or anything. But I can say today that this is where I want. And to begin with, my passion in writing is actually being used for God. And I couldn't say that to begin with. Because I had no way to do it. Next one is silence can be a form of dependency. You know, even if you're quiet, it doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're actually willing to hear God. You know, it's not a form of weakness. Going down crying, it's not a form of weakness. In fact, it's a, it's a matter of strength to actually surrender everything to God. You know, when I thought about this, I was, I was thinking, how come when I, when I approach God, I can't really move towards Him? Because I was only giving Him the good things in my life, not the bad things. The way I put it is if, if God is in a stage and you put all your baggage, the good baggage in your life, and you put it, it's only halfway. You have to put the bad things on top of the good things for you to actually climb to God. And I didn't do that. You know, our relationship with God plays a big role in how we view Him. You know, one of the favorite verses I have is Psalm 8, 3 to 4. When I consider the works of your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them, you know. So what now? The question is, what now? You know, now we stop, now we look and we listen. That's it. What now? What are you doing? If it's something wrong, stop. If you hear God's voice, listen to it. Or look look at it. If you hear God's voice, look. And if you hear God's voice, listen to it. You know, I had a, I had a burden to be used by God in a way He sees me fit, but it wasn't my plan. Until I realized that this burden was not, this, is, this burden was not my burden, but God's burden for me. And that's when I realized it. You know, and then I was talking about it, and then, what is the definition of being a blessing? I was consistently thinking about it. You know, when we talk about blessing, it's about money, it's about gifts, it's about accomplishment or success. When I realized that it's not complete, there's something missing. And then I realized that blessing is not the amount of success you have, but how many times God has pulled through it in your life. You know, and I just want to close with this video that, you know, God talked to me in this video. It's actually a cartoon, but it's really powerful. So I'll let it, I'll leave it to you guys and see how it affected me. Oops. I thought I did what's right 
I thought I had the answers. I thought I chose the surest road, but that road brought me here. So I put up a fight and told you how to help me. Now, just when I have given up, the truth is coming clear. You know better than I. You know the way. I've let go the need to know why. For you know better than I. If this has been a test, I cannot see the reason. But maybe knowing I don't know is part of getting through. I try to do what's best, and faith has made it easy to see the best thing I can do is put my trust in you. For you know better than I. You know the way. I let go the need to know why. For you know better than I. I saw one cloud and thought it was the sky. I saw a bird and thought that I could follow. But it was you who taught that bird to fly. If I let close in prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for this time that you've given us. I come to you with praise and thanks that you've used me to send your message. I know that this isn't my story, but yours. And I pray that to everyone here who is experiencing discouragement, I pray that you would use their inner state to actually talk to them. Um, that in their brokenness that they may find you. And I pray that you open our hearts and our ears to you as we continue to live our lives, our days, continue to hear your voice and everything, that we may be sensitive to it and actually do something about it. Lord, I pray that you would 
impress upon the hearts of your people to actually start looking for you in ways that they can find themselves. I thank you for this time that you're giving me. I pray that uh, the discussion, that it may be fruitful and encouraging. And thank you for this time once again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God.